Amen. Hey, let's go right into it today, and let's. I, I want to welcome you to Venture Community Church. I don't want to skip that. Welcome. I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited to see you. Um, but let's do this. Let's pray our prayer of 2019 together. So I know I just had you sit, but if you could stand up one more time for me, and let's pray our prayer of 2019. You ready? Let's pray. Awesome God, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, give us a heart to receive all of the good things, all of the good things. There we go. That you have already prepared for us. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. We don't have that many traditions at VCC, okay? We really don't. Um, we've been around for seven years, but in that seven years, we haven't started very many uh, traditions other than that we meet on Sundays and um, then we eat ice cream the weekend before um, school starts. Those are essentially our traditions, but we're starting a new tradition uh, right now. Um, every October is going to be a month. I'm calling it advance. I, I haven't really thought through that naming entirely yet, but it's our month to advance, and so this is Advance 2019, the very first Sunday ever. And, um, hey, get excited. New tradition? So you don't even know what it is yet, and you're excited, or at least she is. I, I'm excited, too. Thank you for that you know, confidence builder there. Um, so advance, what advance is going to be is it's going to be a month focused on uh, generosity leading into the holidays. And uh, for the entire month, we're going to be teaching about generosity. We're going to be setting new goals. We're going to be making some personal changes. In, and I'm going to present some opportunities, say whoop, whoop, opportunities to, uh, to get involved in advance 2019. And what opportunities are is, is opportunities are ways that we take what we're talking about and we put those things into practice. So obviously every week there's an opportunity to invest in what God is give, doing at Venture Community Church through tithes and, and offerings. And we're going to talk about that. But even more, the goal of Advance 2019 in, in the month of Advance is to make you or to help you be more generous individually, and as a church, collectively. So a few things that we've got planned for this month, and we're going to start kind of small. So this week, it's just introduction. I'm laying some groundwork. I'm going to have to do it quickly. But throughout this month, we're going to have some opportunities. One of those opportunities is this, and it's one of my favorite things. And call me blessed because it's happened to me like four times. Maybe it's never happened to you. I've mentioned it to several people, and they're like, nope, not me. But we watch movies a lot in our house, and when we rent movies, it's not abnormal for me to go rent a movie from Redbox, and there to be a $5 bill in the case, right? With a little note that says, have some snacks on us tonight. And every time I'm like, I'm going to have some snacks on them tonight. And I go and I buy my snacks. And I call that just red box random acts of kindness, right? Has anyone else ever had that happen? Oh, my gosh. I am an anomaly. Like, I kid you not, it's been like three to five times. We go get a red box, and maybe it's just the movies we rent. We rent good movies from good people. Y'all must be renting bad movies from bad people, Right? No, but seriously, it's happened. So next week, what we're going to do is we're going to have y'all some little cards ready to go, and you're going to go rent a movie. I don't care if you watch it or not. You can rent a movie. You can stick it in there, wrap your, I'm not giving you $5, you are, okay? You're going to wrap your $5 around it, stick it back in there. You can take it home and watch it, or you can just pull it out, put the thing in there, and stick it back in, okay? What is that? That's $6.99, okay? And you get to practice generosity, okay? And then uh, the week after that, we are going to have our distribution for Operation Christmas Child. Um, and you're thinking, Christmas, it's October. Okay, well, they pick these up in November. 
okay, mid-November. So we need to start this now, and we're going to get 50 boxes that we're going to distribute, and we are going to do 50 boxes because we're getting 50 boxes. Amen? There we go. And then at the end of the month, for the last two weeks, now I think, no, well, maybe last week, last two weeks, last one week, something like that, we're going to do an extra item drive for Grand Backpack Buddies. And what that is is that snack items that get to go home with kiddos. Like we're t- I, I, she sent me a list, but like like gummies, you know, stuff like that. So we're going to do an extra item drive for that. So we're going to support a local ministry as well. And all of this is part of Advance Month, okay? So y'all ready to dive in? Yeah, you are. Okay, let's go. <clears throat> okay, so for all of our new VCC peeps, if you've only been here like this week or, you know, the last few weeks and um, – I'll be honest, it's been a while since we've dedicated a season to generosity, to, to giving, and, and to finances. So, so don't start stressing like, I've got to hold on to my wallet. You know, like, like, like we, don't, we don't grub for money here. Um, we aren't even asking. And we're, our goal of this series is not guilting anyone into anything. Um, but here's what we are doing, and, and here's what we want. We, we want you to grow in advance. Amen? Okay, I'm going to try that again because I need your help with this little portion. I put amen out to the side of every one of these, so I need you to participate. Okay, we want you to grow in advance, amen? There we go. We want you to be proud of your church, amen? There we go. You know what amen means? It means like yes, okay, just so you know. We want you to live your best life, amen? There you go. We want you to have treasure stored up in heaven, amen? There we go. We want you to have promotion and provision, amen? We want you to be stable. See, y'all are doing good. We want you to be strong. We want you to be on your way to successful. We want you to move on up. Like that song. Moving on up. Nope. No Jefferson fans in the house. It's cool. And if you'll hang with me, seriously, if you'll hang with me through this month, I promise you, I guarantee you, we're going to advance together. Individually and collectively, we're going to advance together. And if after October you want to leave and decide that you don't like me, that's fine. But give October at VCC a chance, okay? And if you have to miss a month, download the app. The instructions are on the back of the offering envelope. Listen to it then. Do not miss a message this month, not because I'm so great, but because the word is powerful, okay? So y'all ready to drive in? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to do this, okay? I'm going to promise you we're going to be on lots of rabbit trails today, okay? But we're going to get out on time. So we're going to start here. And I'm going to tell you that we're going to be introducing biblical principles of generosity. But I'm going to show you sort of my recommendations from practices, from experiences, from conversations with mentors, from the Bible. I, t- I called people on this, on this series. I called some pastor friends. I called some of the most successful Christians I know. And I talked to them about principles. And we gathered these things. So we're going to lay foundation today, okay? So today we're going to be talking about a tithe. Does anybody know what a tithe is? Raise your hand if you don't know. (laughs) Everybody's like, wait, that's embarrassing. It's 25%. No, I'm just kidding. It's 10%. It's 10. Tithe means 10. It's 10% of your income. And I believe that this goes to your church, and this is your starting point. And every one of these things I'm going to present has a motivation. And the motivation for tithe for me is obedience. Because I believe that it's not optional. I don't think it's a heaven or hell issue. I'll be honest. No, it's not a heaven or hell issue, but it's not optional for me. I'll tell you why later. But it's, it's, it is a God's favor issue. 
It is a blessing issue. It's a heart issue. And I want to be obedient to my father. So let me tell you what I do. Um, we have our app, right? So every time we get money in our house, the very first thing we do, we're not weirdly legalistic about it. We're like, can't go out to eat before we do this. No. But the very first thing we do is we say, okay, 10% of this, and we, we, we go through the and we give it in. We do that because we believe what God says in Malachi 3. Like I said, we're not weird about it. Like I said, it's not like, like I said, we're not like legalistic, like, oh, we better not spend any money or that's all cursed. We got to get our tithe in first. No, but we do set that aside. We set it aside. So Malachi 3, 6 through 12 says this, I am the Lord and I do not change. Does he change? No. Good. This, that is why you, descendants of Jacob, are not already destroyed because he had made a promise to them. And these people have been messy. They've messed some stuff up. But he said, I don't change. That's why I haven't destroyed you. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have been scorned. You have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? And God says, you have cheated me of the tithe and offering due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes. And this, this is the key right here. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room in try it put me to the test your crops will be abundant for i will guard them from insects and disease your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe says the lord of heaven's armies then all nations will call you blessed for your land will be such a delight for your land will be such a delight can i get this other mic this one is acting funny cool good deal oh that's weird sounding but we're gonna go with it can you hear me okay good because i can't hear me but that's all right. All right. Um, so Malachi tells us this. He says, I'm going to, by your tithe, protect you. I'm going to protect everything about you. Your, your increase will not be devoured. I'm going to make sure that everything is covered, okay? Some people say that he rebukes the devourer, okay? That's actually from the Bible. He said in, in other translations, I will rebuke the devourer. Okay, so that's tithe. Right? It's 10%, and that's, that's where it starts. And the motivation for that is obedience. Okay, let's look at offering real quick. And I think that offering starts at 10%.000. Anything over 10% becomes an offering. And this goes to the church or outside of the church. And I break offering into two categories. Okay, this is we do, not me, our house. Almsgiving. Okay? And what almsgiving, the motivation for that is compassion. That's better. Thank you. It's compassion. Like when you watch a sad commercial, and at the end, you have an 800 number to give to, and you're crying, and you give because you are moved with compassion, or, or, or you're walking out of a gas station, and someone asks you, hey, can I have a couple dollars? You're moved with compassion. So you give alms to men. So we do that when we're moved by emotion. 
The second category is first fruits, and I like first fruits because first fruits is cool. And the motivation for first fruits is generosity, okay? This is something, so you give alms to men. First fruits, I think, you can give to your church, you can give it to ministries, you can give it to missionaries. But the motivation is generosity. And what it is, it's the first of increase. So first fruits are referenced 31 times in Scripture. 31 times in Scripture. And what is it? It's, it's an expression of love for his word and not money. So here's how we practice first fruits. It's the first of increase. So if, if we get a raise in our house or something like that, that is an increase on our normal, right? So a raise, that first bit of that raise, we say, okay, it was X amount of dollars we had last week. Now we have this amount of dollars. Um, this is the first fruits of our year, and we're going to give that. So I asked somebody once who I was talking about this, I said, well, what if I get a $100 raise in, in, in January, first, of first fruits of my year, and I give that $100, and then in February I get a $1,000 raise. What do I do? And they said, no, that $1,000 is, is yours. You already gave your first fruits. So now that $1,000 is used to increase your tithe and, and, and your offering. You're just experiencing the reward from being obedient in your first fruits, okay? It's an expression of love and generosity. That's not about the money. It's about him. So offering starts at 10% plus. And then I want to introduce a third category, which I see as, and I say is extravagant offering. And it goes to people, churches, ministries as well. And in our house, we practice and we call it seed giving. And its motivation is faith and reward. And this is where we're going to really talk today is these extravagant offerings, okay? This is, in our houses, we practice as we sponsor ministries, not, not venture. We sometimes will uh, we'll just send money through like Vimeo to other pastors we love and know and have invested in venture. Sometimes we'll, we'll sponsor missionaries, you know, as a family. Have you ever thought about doing like you can do that? They don't just have to, like, the money doesn't have to come from a church. You can, you can sponsor somebody, you know, around the world. If you're, like, don't know anyone, come talk to me. I know lots of missionaries needing some cash, okay? Maybe you're passionate about one thing. Maybe it's human trafficking. Maybe it's just come talk to me. I know somebody, okay? Maybe it's college students. I know somebody, okay? So come and talk to me about that. But this seed giving is interesting, and this is where I want to spend some time because it gets lost. It gets lost in all of this, okay? In Mark 4, 3 through 9, Jesus is telling this story. He says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside. So he's sowing seed. He's tossing it out there. And the birds of the air came and devoured it. So some of it got devoured. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, so it didn't fall on good soil. And immediately it sprang up, but it had no depths of earth. So when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. So he threw some seed down that wasn't protected, and then he threw some seed down in bad soil. And some seed was in thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it out, and it yielded no crop. In verse 8, but other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So this is Jesus talking about sowing seed 
So when we talk about seed giving in our house, this is the faith stuff. This is the moment where it's like, I've already given my tithe. I've already sowed my offering. I've had my alms. But, but, but I feel like God is pushing me to do this thing. And this is the sort of giving that has the potential to do some incredible, incredible things in your life. But it has to start here. I'm going to backtrack. It has to start with the tithe because we learned that the tithe rebukes the devourer. It's the protection of everything that comes after that. And also you have to make sure that what you're giving, where you're planting that seed, where you're doing that is good ground, right? Cough, cough, VCC is good ground. Whoop, whoop. Okay. Um. Not all ground is created equal. I, I will 110% say that. So we've covered our tithe, we've covered our offering, we've covered um, extraordinary offering, okay? I know it was fast, it was furious, it was a lot of information. But we're, let's dive into some things really, really quick about those extravagant offerings. But before we do that, I want to share some statistics I shared with our leaders this week about giving in the church and um, this is as of 2019 okay just pulled the numbers last week from um, from the company that we use to process our online giving they, they send out notifications and things like this so this is new information so tithers those who give at least 10 percent of their income make up 10 to 25 percent of any congregation and so we're going to talk about that more and more every week. And we're going to create, we're going to introduce new and, and, and biblical teaching. So we're going to build on that, what we've already talked about, we're going to continue on. So tithers, those who give at least 10% of their income make up 10 to 25% of any congregation. So you see a congregation of 40,000, 10 to 25% of those people are giving. I remember I toured this church in, this is a, random, not even in my notes, toward this church in, in Lubbock, and it was an incredible facility. And uh, I'm going to share that story later. Hold on. We're going to move back on. We're going to move on. Two, eight to ten people who give to their church have zero credit card debt. I think some would say, like, they're able to give because they have zero credit card debt, but I would say they don't have credit card debt because they give. Three, church giving is down 50% since 1990. That's insane, guys. I'm just thinking about the way our culture has changed from 1990 to today. The world has become less generous in every way. Four, on average, Christians give 2.5% of their income to their church. Guys, that's a challenge. That's a challenge. Five, families who make less than $20,000 annually are eight times. Let me start there. Families who make less than $20,000 annually are eight times more likely to give to a church than families making $75,000 plus. At some point, we forget who our source is. There is a financial breaking point where I don't think I need God anymore. I had a friend who um, his cousin, or no, his nephew, played for the Atlanta Braves, and they were sitting outside the Atlanta Braves Stadium, and he was trying to lead him to Jesus. And he looked at him as they were sitting in his six-figure BMW, and he said, I don't need Jesus. At some point, we lose track of what's important, okay? Six, baby boomers make up 42% of the donation base, while they only make up 30% of the U.S. population. 
So I have to ask, what happens to the church when the baby boomers are no longer there? Who fills these shoes? Seven, Generation X makes up 19% of the donation base while they make up 27% of the U.S. population. We're watching this happen right now. 42% of the donation base is baby boomers, 30% of the population. So they're giving more and their population is less. Generation X makes up 19% of the donation. They're giving less while they make up 27% of the population. So in statistics, this people group is largely ignored, but I would have to say that if the baby boomers are, are, are the backbone of the church support, then Generation X has to be the legs. Eight, Generation Y makes up 7% of the donation base while they make up 30% of the U.S. population. This represents the current largest demographic in the church. This is my generation. And man, we got to step up. Nine. 60% of millennials donate approximately $481 annually. And so he's find that millennials aren't just not wanting to give, but we have to, as a church, show the good that we are doing in order for them to give. Ten, this is the last one. The combined annual income of families declaring to be evangelical Christians was $5.2 trillion. Trillion, that's a lot of zeros. 5.2 trillion of that 1.7% was given to ministry. Do you know what the tithe of 5.2 trillion is? It is $520 billion. That's just under what the United States spends on defense every year. Okay? So how much impact could the church make with 520 billion annually opposed to just 88 million? Okay, hear this. There are current estimates that between 33 and $50 billion would end world hunger. I'm just saying, guys. What could we do? So let's dive into the Bible. John 12, 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it. Wiping his feet with her hair, the house was filled with the fragrance, but Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. Can you imagine giving a year's wages? It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor because he was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. This story presents two things, generosity and selfishness. God is generous. Satan is selfish. And these are their natures. And we see this in this moment, an extravagant offering, one year's wages. It was lavish. It was huge. It was moving. So great was this act of generosity that in Mark 14, the same story is recorded. And Jesus is recorded saying, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told. An offering so extravagant that it would stand the test of time. Everywhere the gospel is preached, we're going to talk about her and what she did. But the reality is, is that we're born selfish. 
You got kids, you know. We're born selfish. You have to be taught to share. You have to be taught generosity. Because it's not natural to be generous and don't be sitting there like, he's calling us selfish. I am not calling you selfish. What I'm saying is we have to fight against a selfish nature every single day. Every single minute. Whether we're talking about money, whether we're talking about time, whether we're talking about attention, we have to fight against it. Scratch against it. Claw against it. A selfish nature. And that's why we need him. We cannot do it alone. You're not going to win. That's why you have to be him. So my girls take part in our family giving. I've told you before that every year we set a giving goal. As a family, we talk about it. When my girls earn money or they're given money, they give. That, that's, that's what they do. It, it's, it's something we are teaching them to do. And you know what? We don't even have to require it anymore. We don't even say, you're doing this. Now it's like, this is what we do. We are generous, okay? Riley even told us last week that she was thinking about it, just randomly just thinking about generosity. And she said, you know what, Mama, we need to make a chart in our house. I already have a chart, but she doesn't know about it. She said, we need to make a chart in our house to track giving. She didn't say track. I don't know exactly how she said it. But basically, to see what we give. Why? Because you count what's important to you. Generosity is important. So we count it. Okay, why? Because giving is joyful in our home. Why is giving joyful in our home? Because I believe that strategic giving is spitting everywhere is joyful giving. Got lots of just excitement going on. So we we strategize. No, that's not a word. What's the word? Strategize every year. This is what we're going to give. This is how we're going to give it. So it's joyful and we track it. Why? Because every year our goal is to give more this year than we gave last year. And then so that made me think, oh, I need to check. So I went and I checked, and I'll be honest, we got to pick up. If we're going to beat 2018, we got to pick it up in 2019. But when you do giving this way, generosity becomes fun. You know, the, the verse that says, you know, God loves a joyful giver. That's how, that's how you find joy is you be strategic about it. Joyful giving is strategic giving. So back to Scripture. So we see this extravagant offering, and then we hear Judas's mouth. You ever been in a situation and it's like, oh, something so cool has happened, and then some obnoxious loser in the background is like, what's going on over there, you know? No, just me, okay. But that's what we see. We're reading this beautiful story, and then we hear Judas's mouth in the background, and we're like, what is he even doing here? He was selfish, so he was critical of the gift. He couldn't understand the generosity because the selfishness was so big in him. And I'll tell you that if you start being generous and anyone finds out, that isn't generous, they will criticize you for everything. I talk broadly about my family because my family is the best reference I have in our giving, but that's not to brag. That's only as a point of accountability and, and, to, and to set an example, okay? Never, ever, ever to brag. But you know what? <laughs> and I'm telling the truth. We have been criticized about the clothes our children wear. I know my kids look good. Okay, but I didn't buy that $60 hoodie. Somebody else did, and they gave it to them. We didn't ask for it. It just happened, okay? We've been criticized for the, for the activities we take part in. Someone told me one time, and the church has been in some financial struggles before, okay, and I was talking about that, and someone told me point blank, maybe the church would be in a better <laughs> position financially if you didn't spend all your money going to Six Flags. Someone told me that, guys. We were criticized about the Christmas gifts we bought our kids. 
the point where Jesse was like, I don't even want to post it on Facebook like Christmas morning. Like, I don't even take pictures. And I was like, that's stupid. People need to see blessing, okay? Our family vacations, and someone even told me once, <laughs> they, they, they told me, like, I was giving to the wrong things, and I needed to redirect my giving. I was like, oh, do I? Thank you for telling me how to be more generous with what God has given me. How you doing? You know, I just, like, I'm saved, but you catch these hands, you know? Like, I was hot. <laughs> yeah, okay, moving on. Um, and it's never ever to brag. It's never ever to brag. But I didn't finish. It is never ever to brag on me. It's always to brag on him. That's why I tell you that. That's why I say the things that I do. That's why I'm so open about it. Because here's the reality is when you start doing big things with God and God starts doing big things with you, people will be critical of everything you do. And if you stay with me and you begin to apply the principles we're talking about this October, you'll be doing more with God and God will be doing more with you than you ever have before. Let's get back to our story. Judas is critical. Listen, just a couple minutes later, Judas is going to sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Yeah, this guy was real concerned, right? He wasn't generous. He wasn't giving. He was a critic. You know what that tells me? And I know this from experience is non-givers and people overcome with selfishness are always the most critical. Givers are never critical. You want to know why? Because you've heard of the haves and the have-nots, right? Givers are the haves. They're too happy because they're the haves. And being a have, and I've discovered this over time, doesn't mean that you have everything. It means you have everything you need. I don't got to be critical. I've got everything I need. You keep doing you, I'm going to do me. God wants you to have. I believe that. I have very wealthy friends, very wealthy friends that are pastors. And, yes, they're criticized, okay? But God wants you to have. I guarantee it, and I can prove it to you. Let's look at John 6 real quick. Oh, i got to move. Okay, you've heard the story. Jesus feeds the 5,000, right? Six. After this, I'm going to read this. Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miracle, miraculous signs and as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Now, if I'm Jesus, I stop here and I say, Philip, that's not what I asked. That's like the biggest pet peeve of mine. If I ask a question and you start not answering it. Like, is Reese and Riley in here? Nope, good, I can tell it. So, Reese, what happened? Well, Riley, or no, Reese, what did you do? Well, Riley, no, I'm not talking about Riley. I'm talking about you. Answer the question. Okay? So if I'm Jesus, I say, Philip, that's not what I ask. And then verse 8, back to Scripture. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that among so many? You want to know how I know that there was no lack in Jesus' ministry? Is he didn't ask where, or he didn't ask how. He didn't ask, how are we going to buy bread for all these people? Y'all need to run them off. He didn't start asking, guys, how much money you got in your pockets? He said, where? 
He already knew what he was going to do. He was already there. He was already going to provide. He said, where? Because there is no lack with Jehovah Jireh. There is no lack with my provider. Back to our story. I promise you, he wants people to have because he has. And he is a giving God. His Bible says that if we ask, we just receive, okay? Back to our story. God knew Judas was a thief. It wasn't like Jesus didn't know what was going on. But here's what I've learned over time, and here's what I see in Scripture. You'll always be tested in your weakness. Luke 16, 10 through 11. If you are faithful with little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? You're always tested in your weakness. Judas was tested. We know how he did. How are you doing? Let's talk a little bit more about the tithe, 10%, where it all starts. Tithe leads to enough for offering. And I like to think about it this way, or I want to present it to you this way. Think about it this way, like God gives you 100% of everything you have. And if you disagree with that truth, then you're really not going to agree with anything this month. But I still encourage you to show up, okay? But let's pretend like we all agree that God gives you 100% of everything you have to manage. And this is the way that God works. And this is the type of mindset you have to have. A God's kingdom mindset says, God gives me all I have, and I get the management. And he just looks at you and he says, okay, I'm going to give you 90%, but I need you to put 10% back into what I'm doing. That's God's kingdom, and that's kingdom economics. But if you're working for the world, your mindset sounds something like this. I have earned this, and it's mine. I will do with it what I want to. So that this is where you fall. The world says, you keep 10% of it. I'm going to take 90. That's world work. That's world economics. If anybody has a job, that's how it works, okay? For me, it's simple, guys. I'm not good enough alone. I can't do it alone. I'm never going to make enough. I'm never going to be able to provide enough. So I have to depend on him fully. So me, I place my trust fully in him. And hindsight tells me that what my family has made and done is the right call. And God's kingdom and his kingdom work always gets that first 10%. Let's talk about extravagant offerings. We saw Mary with a jar of oil. David, King David. David, little shepherd boy. David killed Goliath. Extravagant offering. He's a man after God's own heart. Bible says that his son Solomon was called to build the temple. And David left, in today's terms, approximately $21 billion set aside to build God's house. Extravagant offering. Three, Solomon. Solomon builds that temple with $21 billion-ish. And he dedicates the temple with offerings. 22,000 head of cattle. 120,000 sheep and goats. And that night, God appears to him. So I want to pause here because in one generation, from David Little Shepherd Boy to Solomon, David watching a small group of sheep on a hillside, his son sacrifices to God and gives an offering of 22,000 head of cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats in one generation. And then in Luke 21, we read this story of this, this widow woman. Jesus is sitting in the temple, and he's watching the wealthy and the rich come by and drop their offerings in. But this little woman drops in two copper coins, some people say two pennies, and it was all she had. And Jesus took note and he said, this poor woman, this poor widow woman has given more than all the others. Something about her heart caught his attention. Guys, and I know that generosity comes from gratefulness. So often when I'm feeling less generous.
have to constantly ask myself, how grateful am I today? The story we read earlier was in John 12, and it's a story of gratefulness. I know this partly because of John 11. Lazarus was one of Jesus' best friends, and he was eating this meal with Lazarus. He had, Lazarus had fallen sick previously in the story, and Lazarus died, and he spent four days in a tomb dead, and Lazarus has two sisters. One was named Mary, and one was named Martha. And Mary and Martha were both there at the tomb when Jesus arrived. And the story says that Martha came up and, and Mary came up. And essentially they say, if you would have been here, my, my brother wouldn't have died, right? Well, that's chapter 11. And, and Lazarus is dead and he's in a tomb and the sisters are there and Jesus is there. But in John 12, Lazarus, the dead man in chapter 11, is now lounging at the table with Jesus, right? So dead in chapter 11, very much alive in chapter 12. Listen, I was, I've been dead. In, anybody ever been dead in chapter 11 before? I have. But standing here very much alive today, his sister Mary, overcome with gratefulness from what happened in chapter 11, performed such an act of generosity that we are still talking about it today. It was out of gratefulness. I'm grateful. That's why I'm generous. Simple. Our church is grateful. That's why we're generous. We don't say no. We don't. When people call with need, I might have to say, hold on, I'll find it. Hold on, we'll make this work. Hold on, we'll make this happen. I'll call you in a few days. What's the timeline? What do I have to work with here? We're grateful, so I'm generous. I'm grateful that someone gave when I was little. so I could misbehave in a Sunday school room. I'm grateful that someone gave to the church that I grew up in so it could be built before I was even a thought. I'm grateful that someone gave so that I could go to church camps as a child and a youth. I'm here, and I'm grateful. And it's all because of someone else's generosity. I am not here on my own. You're here because someone chose generosity. I say it all the time, faithful people give and serve faithfully. I want to tell one last story. When we started VC, we had nothing, like nothing. <laughs> nothing as a church and very little as a family. I worked in retail sales at AT&T from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday on commission mostly. And 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. on Sundays. Yeah, so we had church on Sunday morning, and I went and changed clothes and went to work from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. There was a season, and I, did, I forgot about this season until the other day, where Jesse worked at Walmart Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. Okay? We had two babies. <laughs> there was this gap of an hour where our schedules didn't line up, and, and Nana would keep the babies in that hour that Jesse and I were both at work, and, and I would close down the AT&T store, and I'd walk across the highway to the Walmart, and I'd find the car in the parking lot because it was never parked in the right spot, and I was in such a good mood about it. And and I would unlock the car, and I would go home, and, 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 and I would thank Nana, and, and Nana would go home, and I would, and I would keep the girls for a few hours until 11 p.m. when I had to get into our one vehicle and drive and pick Jessie up at Walmart from her job. 
All of that was so hard. And if you think for a second that in those moments, God wasn't testing us every single week. I tell you the stories all the time about we had VCC, we had nothing, we had 15 people count every heartbeat. And the dog on the parking lot, we counted him too, okay? And I'm sitting there and I'm saying, God, you see what we're doing here. Where, where are you? Where are you? And there was moments where we, we thought, we can't, we, we're not going to give. We don't have it to give. It's just too much. But what I discovered in that time is money is a test. And God showed this to me very clearly. It's a test of who is God. And in those moments of between Walmart and, and AT&T and lousy paychecks and chargebacks and gripey customers and walking across that highway, we decided Seek ye first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We decided as for my house, we will serve him. We will put our trust in him. And in seven years, we've seen this church grow more than 500% in absolutely every category measurable. And listen, hey, (laughs) and we've seen personally, our personal income grow more than 400%. It's not about money it's about mindset you might be sitting there saying like curse it sounds like you're you're asking us to change a whole lot like i would have to make some made bingo that's exactly what i'm encouraging you to do i'm convinced that right now i'm living my best life right now we're about to have a baby we're paying cash for that baby okay and i'm not stressed I'm not afraid. And I'm not worried. Just not. It's not that it's always there, but it's that I have the faith that it's going to show up. I used to pay my bills by the mailbox. I just knew. It's like we got this bill coming up. I'm like, I'm going to go check the mail, and there'd be a check there. Random person. $100 here, $100 there. That's how we paid our bills in ministry school, guys. Kid you not. It was a little faith thing. I made no money, and we had about $750 in expenses every month, and every single month they were paid. Called it mailbox money. I love that mailbox. My mailbox looks a little different today. It's mostly bills, but God provides there too. But I asked myself, how grateful am I? I asked myself, how generous am I? And if those two things don't align, then I have to decide I'm going to grow and advance again. So the challenge for you is how grateful are you and then how generous are you? And if those things don't align, you have to grow and advance again. Opportunities start today to grow and advance. And I, as I was preparing this message, I just couldn't help but think about thankfulness. And a song that I grew up listening to in, in church, and I, and I asked the worship team, and I asked a lot of people, like, like you know this song? And everybody was like, I don't know. Most, not everybody, but most people were like, I don't know that song. And I started to sing, and they're like, oh, yeah, I think I heard that in 92. But it goes like this. It says, give thanks with a grateful heart. Jesse, I think I've got it in the slides if you want to show these. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks. Because he's given Jesus Christ 
his son. That's good stuff, right? And then he goes on. Jesse changed the slide. Oh, we're already there. And it says, and now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. And it goes on. And on. it's a simple song. We got more. And it says, give thanks, give thanks. But it's good. And I kept thinking about that. And I kept pondering those words. And then I was reminded again that I know those words because someone chose generosity. I know that song because someone chose to give. In the very first church we worked in, um, it was in North Fort Worth, and the, the turnaround, the, the, the round trip was three hours to get from where we lived to where we were because it's just what we felt like God needed us to do. And in the midst of that, um, I got laid off. And we decided we were going to continue to go and continue to serve for the $65 a week they were paying but I got laid off from my other job, and I remember I was sitting there, and I was getting ready for church service, and I was getting ready for the kids to come in, and, and this old man walks in, and I'm friends with him on Facebook to this day, and he, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how he found out, but I knew, I know him, and I knew he was on a fixed income, and he came, and he, and he just said, hey, I heard that, you know, this happened, and I said, yeah, it, it happened. And he said, well, me and the wife had just, just extra. We had a little bit extra this month, so we just wanted to give you this. And, and you know what? I, I didn't know it then. I was appreciative of his generosity, but I didn't know it then, but I know it now. What he was doing was planting a seed. And in that moment, I didn't feel like good ground. But not only was he investing in the bills that I need. He was helping me pay the bills, but he was making an investment in me. And I believe still that as I look back at that moment, that's one moment where God was saying, I'm preparing you for today, this moment when you'll be standing here talking about generosity. The seed that he gave is partly while I'm standing here right now. Just stand with me real quick. I want to pray with you. If I could go ahead and have my ushers make their way up to you, that'd be great. Because like I said, this isn't a guilty thing. This isn't supposed to be a sad thing. This is supposed to be a fun thing. But giving is a challenge. Generosity is a challenge. And I want to pray over you real quick as we dive into Advance 2019. And let's see what God's going to do. Father, I thank you. I praise you. I love you. You are mighty. You are matchless in this place. God, and although I know that we're all processing and we're all thinking through what, what has been said today, but God, I ask that you would move mightily in hearts and minds and lives, that you would show us today, that you would challenge us today in areas that maybe we haven't thought about. God, that you would continue to work on our hearts and our minds and lives as we exit and leave this place. God, that you would show us what we are to do. And that you would help us. Father, give us a boldness. 
Jesus, we thank you. Amen. You can have a seat. Guys, like I said, hold, hold up, hold up, hold up, my people. Hold up, my people. Nope, 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 nope. You stay up here. You stay up here. I'm sorry. I, I didn't give you instruction. Like I said, this isn't, I'm not trying to guilt anybody. I don't need it. I don't need to guilt. I don't need anything. If God says, God's going to meet our needs. That's all I know. God's going to meet the needs of the church. God's going to meet it. And he has met it every single time. The reality is this. If God tells me, go get a third job, I'll get a third job. I don't care. All right? Because nothing's ever going to be harder than AT&T and Walmart. I am convinced. Okay? But God's going to meet the needs because God doesn't give the vision without the provision. Right? But we have a hard time seeing that the second half sometimes. But it's there. But I do want to challenge you. I do want to encourage you because I believe that I'm living my best life right now. My family's living our best life right now because we've applied these principles. And over the next several weeks, we're going to talk through this more and more and more. And I would just encourage you, stick with us in October. Stick with us in October and listen and dive in and go home and pray about it because we are going to meet needs that we don't even know exist yet. God is preparing this season for November and December, things that are going to come from within the church and from outside the church, and we are going to be prepared. Last year in December, we gave over a thousand, we gave thousands of dollars away in what I was calling Christmas bonuses, okay? That's cool. I want to do it again. And we did that with no preparation. It was just on a whim. Just like, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we can do that. We're just helping people buy gifts, helping people pay. I want to do that again. But I don't know what's going to come. God does, and he's going to prepare us in this season for that. This isn't what I wanted to talk about for the month of October. I wanted to talk about something else. Not this. But God said, we're going to focus on advancing. Guys, I want to encourage you today. First, I thank you for being with us today. We're closing out different than normal, very different than normal. But I want you to let the sermon start in the parking lot. I want you to pray on the way home. I want this to stew. I want this to work on you all week, okay? All right? Thank you for being here today. Simple as that. But my prayer is that God would keep working. If you're a first or second time guest with us, please fill out that connect card. Drop it in the offering basket as it's passed. If you're not ready, you can put it in this one up here. If you have a prayer request, I want to pray with you this week. I want to know. Maybe you're like, I would love to give, but there's this financial thing that's going on. Write that down. I'm the only one who sees it, and I don't share your business, but I want to pray with you. I want to pray against the devourer. I want to pray against that with you. The only reason I'm here is because people prayed for me. I want to pray for you. Okay? I want to pray for you. I want to speak things in advance for you. And if you do feel like you want to give and you want to start something new, I would encourage you to do that today. And there's a few ways you can do that. You can do that online. You can do that through the app. Or you can do it on campus. But I want you to think about it. And I want you to pray about it. I'm going to pray with you real quick right now. And we're going to see what God's going to do in the month of October. And I think we're all going to be very, very surprised. But very, very happy at the same time. Let's see. Let's pray. Father, I thank you again. You are mighty and matchless. You're incredible. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge that you've presented today. God, I ask that we would all let it come to heart, that we would think on it, that we would pray on it. God, I just ask that you would keep keep us, keep us covered in your wisdom.
as a church, as individuals, as families. And help us to best meet this world with the 100% that you give us. God, as we dive into all the fun that October is going to bring, God, keep our focus on you. And remind us, it's not us, it's always you. God, we love you and we praise you. God, for every prayer request that's being filled out right now, we speak your name, Jesus. We speak advancement today. For every first or second time guest here today who's filling out a card, we ask that they have their best week ever this week. Father, we thank you, we praise you. Amen. Guys, you can go ahead. And I'm going to give you just a couple of announcements real quick. Y'all are so quiet. I don't know if I'm nervous or excited. Like, to be honest, you're like so quiet. Um, God's either speaking or you're mad, and I'm just going to say, like, God's speaking. So we're going to go there. Um, Listen, we've got some cool stuff happening. Wednesday, we will not have Venture Kids, and we will not have Avenue Student Ministry. Here's why. Fields of Faith is this week, okay? We have a great group from uh, our church going to Fields of Faith and going to be working there. Um, If you didn't get signed up, that's fine. Still go to the football field. You can sit in the stands. It's going to be a great time. Um, But we will not have Avenue, and we will not have Venture Kids because we're going to have a bunch of people working there. Um, Other than that, guys, Monday is Monday Night Football here. We've had a great group uh, of men showing up um, at 7 o'clock every Monday. And it, it's, it's been a great time. We just eat together. We have a Devo together. We watch some football together. I, I watched like two minutes of football last week, and I talked the rest of the time. All right? We're just building relationships and encouraging each other. God's got so much going on. Get ready. Start praying about what he's going to do in October at our church and for you. Okay? What is God going to do, and how is he going to challenge you? And I think you're going to be very, very, very excited. All right? I want to bless you on the way out. Lord bless you and keep you. May his face ever shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. I love you. Adios. See you later.